Hi, this is Reg Harbick, and today I'm here with my friend and colleague, Jeff Charrington, who is the Vice President of Product Management Z Systems. I think I missed a word or two there at Rocket Software. Uh, so, Jeff, uh, I guess what we're going to talk about today is, is just the whole journey that Rocket Software, sort of the invisible giant in mainframe software in some ways, has had, and, and just uh, get a really appreciation of it. Um, maybe if we can start uh, start with maybe a, a bit of a sense of your own journey into Rocket. I understand you came with the ASG acquisition. How did you get to Rocket where you are today? I, I did. Uh, so I joined Rocket here over the summer and became a Rocketeer, as we're all called. Um, as Rocket Software acquired ASG Technologies last April, I had the good fortune that they invited me to be part of the senior management team, and I've really found it to be, you know, quite exhilarating. It is a thrilling company to be with. For those of you who may not be aware of Rocket, it's been around for over 30 years, which is almost as long as I've been in this particular technology space. I actually mm. started with mainframes uh, when I was a, a lad. Uh, mounting tapes and running disk packs for my stepfather in the, in the data center of one of the local banks. Um, and by 1983, I was actually working in enterprise software and have been either building, buying, or selling enterprise software ever since. I've worked for companies such as CA Technologies um, and uh, PKWare, which many folks know that provides some leading cryptographic uh, offerings for uh, mainframe as well as the other platforms. Mm, cool. And now you you joined ASG a few years ago now, didn't you? I joined ASG uh, three and a half years ago. Okay. Uh, they uh, recruited me in because they needed someone to run product management for their Z Systems offerings there. And so this has been a natural evolution for me in terms of uh, my uh, role with Rocket. Now that's that's kind of neat to you know because uh, the the joining of of your career to ASG and then to to Rocket Software parallels so interestingly than the the acquisition of ASG by Rocket Software as, as Rocket has sort of become a, a more and more visible participant in the mainframe ecosystem. Uh, so maybe if you could kind of give a sense of what what happened, how did ASG suddenly become part of Rocket? So those of us who, who know Rocket, many of us in the industry do. Uh, those of us who go to the share conferences, uh, to Z University or things of like that, are familiar with the, the presence of Rocketeers um, and the, the thought leadership that they provide. Um, Andy Yonis founded the company 30 years ago uh, and has had a very, um, I think, studied way of approaching the market and acquiring good companies or acquiring um, technology IP in a manner that allows us to continue to promote and support the mainframe ecosystem. It is important to understand, of course, that Rocket is, is more than just the Z Systems business unit. We do have additional business units that focus on uh, Linux and IBMI on power and on database and connectivity. I'll probably restrict most of my questions to the mainframe because that's that's my patch and that's where I have knowledge and expertise. In fact, I understand that uh, not just the mainframe, but specifically DB2 was one of the original things that really got Andy inspired. It, it, it is. If you take a look at the history of the company, Andy started the company from a spare bedroom in his home back in 1990. And mm. some of the earliest focuses were on providing capabilities for DB2. 
and that's something that has just continued. Uh, Andy had a, a standing relationship with IBM. He was already a respected engineer and leader within the mainframe space, and so consequently has been able to develop a very close partnership with IBM from that very beginning that continues even yet to today. Cool. Now, um, as we look at that partnership, I mean, obviously, the, you can't really be part of the mainframe ecosystem without having some kind of relationship with IBM. Uh, it, it's sort of interesting to see the, the different ways that, that Rocket is sort of uh, involved with the ecosystem and with IBM, uh, including with uh, Rocket's um, own solution that uh, solutions that uh, specifically interact with various aspects of the IBM mainframe. What are some of the different areas that Rocket provides solutions that are, are you know, Rocket-branded solutions or ASG-branded solutions? So... In terms of rocket branded solutions, there's a, there's a number of things that um, many of us who have worked in the, the mainframe space will recognize. Uh, certainly from the, uh, the history of uh, the company, um, uh, it's well known that uh, Andy and the team were contributing to QMF from an early time, as well as to uh, DB2 tools. In fact, uh, if those of you who who were paying attention uh, in 2016, it was announced that IBM was actually even expanding the relationship with Rocket Software for the uh, support and advancement of DB2 tools, and the same again for QMF in 2015. But for those products that we take to market directly, there's going to be uh, uh, at least some that I think will be familiar. Um, the company's grown through acquisitions. My gosh, I think there's there's over 50 acquisitions wow. that the company has uh, engineered over the years. I've got a long list here in front of me, and if I were to read it all off, there would certainly be some that would be uh, familiar to most everyone. But I can certainly point to um, the acquisition of the Shadow portfolio from Progress Software in 2012. Um, hmm. Shadow uh, is a set of capabilities for making mainframe available to non-mainframe technologies, now branded as hmm. Rocket Data Virtualization. And it's something that's being uh, used broadly to help with those customers who are keen to modernize their mainframe in place, continue to reap the value of their investments. Equally, uh, there was the acquisition of MainStar in uh, 2006, and anyone who's worked mm -hmm. in the uh, mainframe storage space will be familiar with MainStar offerings, uh, such as MainStar Catalog Recovery Plus, or CR Plus, uh, the MainStar Backup and Recovery Manager I had a, a chance to work with at one point in my career. Um, and certainly, I can't talk to this without mentioning the, the profound leadership role that Rocket has taken, along with IBM and others, to ensure that the mainframe embraces open source software as mm. much as any other platform. We were one of the primary architects of something known as Zoe, Z-O-W-E. And again, those of us who attend SHARE or some of the other conferences will recognize that as an infrastructure that the Open Mainframe Project has chartered for modernizing user experiences with no sacrifice of mainframe capability. Add to that that we have created open source ports for Git, Bash, Curl, Make, OpenSSL, a, a list of over 20 
open source tools, and you begin to see that while we embrace and will always uh, appreciate uh, our mainframe heritage uh, and all that it represents, we're also looking to ensure that we embrace every bit of technology that's available within the, the, the space to ensure that our customers can maximize their value. And I can't walk away from the conversation without mentioning, of course, the products that came into Rocket from the ASG acquisition, um, our very well-received Zeke and Z-Team workload automation offerings for mainframe, the enterprise orchestrator uh, capabilities that we have for orchestrating DevOps tool chains across all the tech stacks in the enterprise data center, most particularly including the mainframe, and of course, our JCL quality and management offerings, including uh, JCL Prep, JobScan, and ProJCL. Hmm. Now, you talked about the the amazing legacy we have in the mainframe and how Rocket has really gotten deeply woven into that, the past of the mainframe. But I, I sense just as you're referring to how it's it's part of the future with the, uh, the Zoe and all the other open source, there's other aspects of uh, Rocket, including your culture, where you're really trying to take a leading role of moving to the future. And maybe if you can sort of uh, give us some insights into that. Yeah, there, there's really no doubt about that. And it w is one of the, the most invigorating things about joining Rocket. They are committed to the mainframe platform, and we're committed to helping our customers modernize their mainframe however they may want to approach that. We might expand, expand on that later in the conversation. But you can also see this commitment to vitality and ensuring that not only is the mainframe market space vital, but Rocket is vital in the way that we engage with our coworkers. Um, and it, 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 there's just really so many things to talk to around that. And I want to start with what is critically important. The, the foundational um, tenets that we live by at Rocket is a commitment to our core values of empathy, humanity, trust, and love. This is one of the first things that every new Rocketeer is introduced as they're, they're brought on board. And it's something that genuinely informs all that we do. It makes for uh, the workplace being a superior place to work, and it makes for a genuinely unique work family. And we see this cascading throughout the organization. Clearly, Andy, when he founded the company, wanted to have this be an engineering-led organization. It, it is an organization that was created by engineers to give engineers the chance to excel. And part of that that continues to be exemplified today is that annually we have Rocket Build. It's a two-day hackathon. It usually takes Ooh. about a week for all-in on the competition, but teams of rocketeers from all walks of the business, not just those who are daily uh, coding, but, but everyone in the organization has a chance to join a uh, hackathon team and create new technology. And not only does that create, create great esprit, and that brings us together, that helps us um, learn more about each other. It's also developing some great technology, much of which mm. rolls right into use either internally or externally within Rocket. And last, you know, I, I won't say last, but certainly I don't want to leave the conversation without saying that we also have a profound commitment 
to um, women in technology, mm. which is just one aspect of the overall commitment for diversity throughout the organization in all of our different locations worldwide. Very cool. Now, uh, of course, when, when you have that kind of culture, that obviously brings up some, some spectacular innovations. I assume you also have some rather spectacular people that emerge from that culture as, as natural leaders. And, and my sense is that the founder is one of them, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about them. So, uh, you know, I'll expand a little bit. Those of, of you who've had a chance to to meet Andy Giannis know that, that he leaves an indelible impression. Um, and Part of that has been something that has been traditional for Rocket, I think, from the very beginning. Um, again, if you've attended uh, conferences, attended any of the, the, the uh, conventions where, where we might gather uh, as mainframers, it's very frequent that you would find that Andy would be playing guitar, um, either by himself or with our Rocket band, which had a rotating cast of characters over the years, but with Andy uh, uh, as, as a lead for that. But he's also done gigs playing for Aerosmith, Elton John, Maroon mm. 5, even Elvis Costello. Wow. And so, I, again, it, it portrays this idea that Rocket is more than just a technology company who, whose only interest is in um, creating a, a bottom line impact. It is a lifestyle. Mm. It, is, it is a tribe of folks who are committed to both engineering excellence and doing it in a manner that, that is infused by the values that I described. And we attract great people as a consequence. And I'll call out a couple of others. Um, and one mm. of them I, I want to talk to particularly is a woman by the name of Megan Yee. Megan is what I view as the future of the mainframe. She's from the millennial generation. She's self-selected after university to become involved with the mainframe, did a, a short number of years with IBM, and then came to Rocket. And she now is a product manager in our Z Systems business unit um, in charge of a really significant amount of the development we do for DB2 tools and DB2 utilities. She's mm. embraced the idea of mainframe as a career path, and she continues to show leadership time and again. She's been involved with Rocket Build. Uh, she is always a contributing member to the team. She's been on one of the winning teams. And I'm actually the beneficiary of some of the things that she's done uh, in mm. that uh, joining rocket from outside. I'm still struggling to get my arms around mm -hmm. all of the information I want to uh, have available to me in my role. Um, and a rocket build exercise she did with others to create a dashboard pulling in information about how our customers are experiencing our products are something that I now use daily. Mm, cool. And, and a contrasting example, there's a, there's a fellow by the name of Ron Basiglia. Ron is a, um, uh, an IBM champion, just as you are, uh, mm. as well as being one of our um, uh, uh, primary developers of new technology and is really responsible for keeping vitality in the IMS space of, of the mainframe database and data stores by creating great new technologies 
new to utilities and tools for IMS at a period where it was not getting as much attention as it might have um, mm. enjoyed. Well, the journey that IMS has, IMS has had on the mainframe is such a fascinating, you know, part of of the mainframe history and culture. You know, that it was sort of the first really visible database because it was used for the the uh, Apollo space program and it essentially was glommed <laughs> together uh, and and structured to be the same structure as as the rockets of all things, you know, and so that that rocket connection is kind of fun that here the IMS database was structured to hold components of a rocket in a structural manner. And no rocket is one of the organizations keeping IMS live and well all these decades later. Absolutely. <laughs> there, there must be some other interesting examples like that of stuff that you guys are sort of doing that have taken that 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 deep good legacy on the mainframe and, and really cherishing it and moving it forward. Yeah, you know, certainly there there is, and and in in so many different directions, uh, we remain involved with the, the critical spaces of um, security, particularly around uh, the capabilities that are needed by the the mainframe um, uh, enterprise security managers, the the RAC app, top secret ACF two, and capabilities that they need for uh, multi-factor authentication. Mm. Um, we continue to make investments in storage, and in fact, uh, we anticipate that that will be a big growth area for us over this next year as we bring new capabilities to market uh, to help our customers deal with both their primary and more more particularly their second story. I'm sorry, second tier storage hmm. uh, challenges. Now, one of the things that I, I kind of know a little bit about Rocket uh, from from outside uh, perspective is that not only are you involved with with uh, Zoe, but you're doing some other really interesting things of of moving um, legacy behaviors into the future. And uh, for example, by creating, I guess, a 3270 emulator that runs entirely in a browser window. Uh, what's that all about? So that was actually another one of the uh, Rocket Build Hackathon outcomes. It was something that. Uh, Really was was very thrilling to to witness. I, I wasn't there. I only hear about it secondhand, being a newer rocketeer. But my more tenured uh, coworkers tell me that in 2016, as they were going through Rocket Build, a team of um, uh, hackers, if you will, the hackathon hackers came together. Uh, two of which were under 30. And in two all-nighter sessions, created a 3270 emulator that they could deploy directly from within a browser. Now, I don't know that we have uh, productized that for consumption by the, the external third parties, but it is a good example of the type of, again, energy the engineering groups and others who engage in these hackathons bring forward and the degree of expertise that can be assembled and we apply those same sorts of um, energies and and uh, intelligence to the things we do for our customers, whether those are mm. customers that we're providing technology capabilities for uh, them to resell, or it's our own products that we take directly to market. Now, uh, speaking of, of your customers and just your role in the ecosystem, I guess that's another area I'd be sort of interested to know is, is some of the ways that Rocket has, has taken their approach and, and use that to advance just the, the nature of uh, business relationships in the mainframe ecosystem. And I'm sorry, can you expand on the question just a little oh, bit? Oh, sure. Please? Sure. Uh, so I, I'm just sort of thinking that you know I, the various vendors in the mainframe have have struggled over the various decades of uh, you know how do we 
set up a, a contract? How do we bill for things? How do oh. we uh, sell things that meet uh, the need and then you know represent the, the value being received? And you know each each different vendor sort of had their own contribution to that. And I'm sort of curious about some of the contributions that Rocket has had to kind of move that space forward and make it more humane, if you will. Well, that that's an excellent question and and one I I really do invite. Um, for those who have the time, I I really do encourage you to go to the the RocketSoftware.com website, click on the About link, and then take a look at our uh, self description. Uh, you picked up the word nicely there, Reg, of, of humanity. And the commitment to humanity extends beyond just the things that we've talked about in terms of building a great corporate culture um, or the, the, the sort of working relationships that we have with customers. It also kind of extends to the uh, postures we take with customers as we are engaging with them commercially. It's hmm. not a secret that in this space, the, the largest players in the market have a defined strategy of locking customers in with particular um, contractual approaches, enterprise license agreements that get them locked into uh, extended periods of time for large bodies of uh, licensed software that really aren't very tractable. Uh, we work with customers all the time who say, I did have a license agreement or I do have a license agreement with a particular vendor. Um, there's a lot of products in there and there are a couple of them that just don't work for me anymore. And when I approach that vendor and say, hey, I want to discontinue licensing this. I want to go work with Rocket on what they have to offer. The answer is great. We'll be happy to stop licensing, licensing that product to you, but it won't change your ongoing charges. They've got a, a model that's such that you, you're paying for the enterprise license agreement. You're not paying for the products individually and taking products out or substituting products has no impact on the overall cost. It's really gotten to the point in the industry where some are coming to us and saying, I want to abandon my relationship with these computer, uh, these, uh, these other uh, software vendors completely. How can you help us? And we are helping hmm. them. Um, we're, we're doing uh, work around the world to help customers get to a model that doesn't have that sort of enterprise license agreement lock-in, uh, so they've got better options to be able to pursue their, their business and their technology goals. Interesting. Yeah, certainly licensing is one of the big challenges we have in the mainframe because the mainframe is this one single point of functionality. It's also a single point of cost, and it certainly freaks out a lot of uh, CFOs when they see a single cost for the mainframe, whereas the cost for the other platforms are so widely distributed. You know, it really is, is something that is challenging for the industry, and it's too bad that we don't have more of the uh, uh, the item cost accounting folks dealing with technology across the board. I think you and I would agree, Reg, that when you actually do apples to apples comparisons of costs, the unit of cost per whatever, transaction, data store, whatever it might be, when all the costs are tabulated are still far lower for the mainframe mm. than they are for the other technology stacks, which is oh, not yeah. to say the other technology stacks don't have a role to play. They do. They do some wonderful mm. things. And that's where we do spend a lot of time and energy in our uh, engagement with the market because we are committed to helping our customers modernize. We will help them modernize their data centers, and that may take 
multiple aspects. It can be modernization of the mainframe in place. Many of our customers have looked at what they've invested in the mainframe over decades. The, the, the accumulation of their unique and compelling mm. advantages in the marketplace that are represented by the business rules that have been captured in this code that's been developed, refined, polished, proven, tested. Um, and they decide we are going to remain committed to the mainframe. We want to mm. modernize in place, which in many cases means taking things like radio, uh, I'm sorry, taking rocket uh, capabilities to expose the mainframe data to their open systems, mm. applications, tools, and, and processes. There are others who say, you know, we are going to be shifting some of our workloads off mainframe. And in those situations, we have capabilities that they can use to help with that as well. Certainly, the uh, distributed workload automation offering we have, Xena, is a good example of that. It can be used to manage and uh, schedule your mainframe workloads as well as your distributed workloads and can become that off-ramp from moving those workloads off mainframe onto distributed mm. te technology if you want to. Or, alternatively, maybe an on-ramp for those workloads where they discover they're just large enough that it's time for them to move to a, a world-class server. And we do see that, um, you know, working with some of the global banks here recently, um, I was talking with one of the senior uh, executives there who said, you know, we, we've reversed the trend. We've actually moved 90 different applications back onto the mainframe mm -hmm. because they need that high level of availability, serviceability, Mm -hmm. and availability that uh, is going to make them um, appropriate for what our customers demand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's so interesting to see that even if you do just a basic apples to apples comparison, if you could find another platform that gave you everything the mainframe gives you, which you can't actually. Uh, in fact, I've got a couple of articles uh, at Tech Channel that I've just published uh, this month and, and coming up at the end of the, the month about all the different things that people just take for granted that aren't part of the other platforms. But even if you could do that comparison and do a one-off, you know, uh, where you're getting brand new, the fact is if you're moving stuff to the mainframe, you already have a mainframe and the incremental cost of adding new workloads is so microscopic that I think as organizations really wake up to the, the real costs of technology and, and get beyond, you know, the, the latest uh, bells and whistles to see real business value. Uh, you know, it's, it's neat to see how, how well Rocket uh, is positioned to help organizations then take advantage of rediscovering the mainframe. Uh, maybe some other thoughts on that for me. Well, certainly the those of us who've worked around the mainframe and have had to deal with mission-critical applications, and particularly those that require real-time online processing, uh, the, the industries where I've spent the bulk of my career, such as uh, electronic payments or anything dealing with the uh, financial transactions from the consumer point of sale, um, there there really is no platform that can give the four nines, five nines, sometimes even six nines reliability that really is expected in that market space. Mm -hmm. um, there, there's just nothing that can, uh, even to this day, give that sort of capability regardless of the price. And certainly when you amortize the cost of the mainframe over all that it can do for an enterprise and all it has done for decades, it mm -hmm. still is tremendous value. Well, now, of course, uh, we're going to be building on this with a, a, a follow-on 
podcast, uh, we're sort of looking to the future and, and how Rocket is sort of uh, going to be part of that, among other things. Uh, but maybe if, if we can give some, um, not exactly spoilers, but some, some closing thoughts uh, just for people to bear in mind as, as they uh, uh, wait with bated breath for, for part two. <laughs> well, certainly we want to talk about you know, what's in the future with Rocket. Uh, we've talked a good deal about our history. We, we've talked a, a bit about uh, the, the nature of Rocket as an organization, but we certainly believe that we have contributions to make that are going to be material, that are going to help our customers pursue their their uh, uh, strategic goals, both commercially and technically. And we've got a great team that we've assembled bringing the best of, of Rocket and ASG and the other companies that have been acquired in, in recent periods together so that we come forward with really a, a profound set of capabilities, technical, intellectual, and commercial to help them achieve what they want to achieve. Cool. Well, this has been really great. Uh, and any last thoughts before we call it a, a first half interview? Uh, you know, uh, not at this point, Reg, other than to say thank you very much for this opportunity. I genuinely appreciate it. It's always great to talk with you. I'm glad that we were able to get get back together again, and I look forward to doing it again here soon. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, and, and you have a great day. Cheers.